Hello and welcome to day 92 of our Bible reading course. The final letter of Paul that we're looking at was also written from prison, this time to the Colossians. Colossi was a town in modern-day Turkey, whose church was founded not by Paul, but most likely by a man called Epaphras. Epaphras was now with Paul in Rome, but concerning news had arrived of a strange and offbeat teaching that had started to influence the believers back home. Paul writes in response. Today's passage is Colossians chapter 1 to chapter 2 verse 15. Let's pray. Sovereign God, I praise you once again that your word is powerful and effective and sharper than a two-edged sword. Highlight something I need to hear as I listen to your word now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, 
This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in all its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority, in him you were also circumcised, with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Well, we've finally managed to read one of Paul's greetings at the beginning of his letters. Although it was customary to introduce any personal letter with some polite words to the recipient, Paul goes much further than common courtesy. He tells the Colossians that he continually thanks God for them because of their faith and love, and prays God's blessing on them in many specific ways. What a joy to receive letters or emails like this. Now although there's a problem at Colossae that Paul wishes to address, he doesn't launch straight into it as he did, say, with the Galatians, who he knew well. Instead, he presents the truth they need to hear first, 
building a solid foundation from which to critique the false teaching. This begins with an important statement about the Lord Jesus, written in an almost poetic style that something might even come from another early Christian hymn. He is the very image and likeness of God, the one through whom all things were created. The word firstborn here is not used to imply Jesus coming into existence, but rather his priority over creation, as the firstborn son traditionally was in ancient and some modern families. Part of the erroneous teaching seems to have been about the need for special knowledge of spiritual mysteries, something which later became known as Gnosticism. It was secretive and gave those who were deemed enlightened much prestige and status. As we saw in Ephesians, Paul says that the only mystery that matters is that of Jesus being God's Messiah, and the gospel of salvation being for both Jew and Gentile. This has now been fully made known to the world through messengers like himself and Epaphras, their friend. Indeed, the word fullness is repeated throughout the letter. Nothing more is needed. You may also have spotted once again Paul's mention of that key Christian belief. Not just the forgiveness of sins, which is clearly there, but the putting off or burial through baptism of the old self and the rising to new life through faith in Jesus. Indeed, Paul likens this process to true circumcision. Colossians, like several of Paul's letters, was written in response to an incorrect teaching that was influencing the church. God, in his grace, has used that potentially negative situation to bring blessing to the worldwide church for 2,000 years through this wonderful presentation of the supremacy of Christ. Can I think of other examples where God has redeemed a possible or actual difficulty to bring blessing and spiritual growth? The believers in Colossae were being told that they needed something more than the Gospel, more than Jesus as Saviour and Lord. Are there times when I'm tempted to look for other things to bring fulfilment and completeness to my life? Although this might be understandable, how can I find contentment in what I have come to know and leave the rest to God? The good news of Jesus is still a mystery to many people today. Indeed, in the UK, levels of ignorance of the Christian faith are higher than they've been for centuries. What do I think my and my local church's response to this could be, making known what is currently hidden? Lord God, my Heavenly Father, I worship you today for that simple truth of Christ in you, the hope of glory. On one level, both parts of that phrase seem ridiculous. Christ in me. The hope of glory. And yet this is your sovereign will and purpose for your people. As Paul prays for the Colossians, help me to grow in understanding and confidence in this truth, filled with your strength and power. And I thank you too for all those who have taught and encouraged me over the years to know more of your love and your ways. 
Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, family members, friends, pastors, preachers and writers. Encourage these your servants in all they are and do for you and your church, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.